0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to this episode of the People Person podcast. Today's guest is brought to you by Cole Jenkins. As you know, Cole has been on the podcast before and he is pretty much helping out full time now. So we'll see kind of where that takes us. But it landed us a special guest today Cole's former high school teammate, Eddie Gill, current uh, basketball player at Grace College. And really cool, guys. So I hope you guys enjoy today's interview. Again, wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe to the podcast. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know who you want to hear next. I appreciate you guys, and enjoy this interview. There we go. Can you hear us? Yeah, there we go.
1: What is on your head? Why you got those worms up in your head? (laughs) That is, bro.
0: I was getting bored last
1: night. I bet you were. If you can't tell, Eddie's got quarantine a little rough right now. Sorry for
0: <laughs> the hair. Eddie, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Um, yeah, first thing true. I got to know, just is just for my own personal amusement, who wins in a game of one-on-one right now, you versus Cole?
1: Come on now. You know the answer to that.
0: <laughs> but me, I no got to hear you say it.
1: Me, no doubt. Let me – I agree. I don't think I'd win. I definitely <laughs> don't. But here's the thing, so when we were, oh, when we were at Carmel, we would do like king of the court like every other day probably. So I was going to get Jalen, Eddie, Luke, Eddie, and all of them are just stronger than me. So like when I play defense, I can't stay in front of them because they'll push me and I can't do nothing about it because I weigh like 20 pounds less than everybody.
0: So you're soft. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) A little bit soft for sure. Did Cole? Re- oh yeah, right, right. Right. Eddie. Did Cole really talk shit to Romeo? Because he claims that he did. Man, Cole was talking to everybody.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, I told you. We, okay, this is the thing. This is like with our with our class that we had. It was me, Eddie, Jalen, and Alex. We didn't change the culture at all, but like <laughs> we we showed what it was like to like have fun, like because people were scared to have fun at Carmel. Like honestly, Yo. like no
0: one would go what out of their mean, way. Like-
1: to- like we were jackasses, like straight up. Like, what do you
0: mean people were scared to have fun at Carmel?
1: Like they didn't want to smile because then Coach, like Scott Hetty, was like, like the ultimate like Popovich. Like he took this shit serious. So if we smiled a certain way, he would stare us down. No but, like, doubt. We would not. We would look away. Like we would try to keep our like keep our laughter to ourselves and everything. So when we got there, like we talked shit every single game. In practice, we talk shit to each other. And it was more competitive, but like, there were practices done, like, we'd be clowning in the walk around. It would be so funny.
0: It
1: would be so funny.
0: From the outside looking in, it looks like it's pretty good time because you guys are going to 24 7.
2: Yeah, a- man. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I don't know, man. The culture is just different there. Like, like, like Cole said, you just, people just don't want to act in a certain way.
0: Huh. That's the thing. I, like, I feel like you guys are in a unique spot because you are probably the most hated school. Oh in, no doubt, no, no. In Like it's insane because you guys won every single time. That's all you guys did, and it pissed me off because at a smaller school, I didn't have a shit. Like, I, was just, I hated Carmel. But like, did you guys um, know that? Like, you guys know like everyone, like, is aiming at you. Do you guys like embrace that or just kind of push that away?
2: i mean you have to embrace it like if you don't then you're in for a long night every night so you got to go into every single type of um game match what whatever sport you're playing you just got to know that you're gonna get everybody's best shot so
1: it was easier for us to be a villain than a superhero because you can't be a superhero when everyone hates you already so like why even try to save the day? Why not just ruin the yes. day? That's what we were, that's like the mindset we had every time. We played, we played yep. our senior year. We played against uh, Aaron Henry. Uh, who's the fat one? Dewan. Oh, uh, DeWan. We played at Ben Davis their senior night. <laughs> we were adou- We were up by like seven and Eddie leaks out and I throw it to him. I bomb it to him and he dunks it. We literally scream at their student section saying like, happy fucking senior night. Hope your seniors are happy. And like, Uh Osborne talked to us after the game and was pissed about it, but it was so funny. Yeah. It was so funny. (laughs) I want to ask you, Eddie. um, Obviously, our junior year, we had – well, I guess our freshman to junior year, we had Coach Eddie. Yeah. And then our last year, we had Osborne. Uh, Mm -hmm. What do you think they have in common, and what do you think was, like, a big difference between the two of them?
2: Yeah. Um, Well – I think the way what they have in common is the way they they kind of want to hold you accountable um, in in regards to everything not just basketball but I think the way in which they do it is completely different and Mm -hmm. and then I think also the biggest difference is Osborne um, especially our senior year he really let us he really let us play like played our strengths and he played our weaknesses like he just let us go out there and make mistakes and learn from them. I think that's really what helped us the most.
0: You guys you guys played AAU together how many years?
1: Uh three. Three. Yeah it was two or I think it was two or three, yeah.
0: What's like the furthest you I I don't even know how AAU works. You just go play tournaments. What's like the highest term you get? Um,
2: we we got to well it was it's a crazy story. We were in we got to the Vegas tournament but oh, I think it was two years. We got the Vegas tournament both years which is kind of like the, the last one, like nationals, kind of. Um, and our last yeah, our last tournament of our AU career, we had won the game to put us in a championship. And they, they, they jacked up the schedule and stuff. And we had flights that we had to get on back home. And they want to help us out and change the schedule or anything. So we ended up having to forfeit the championship game. No so, shit. Yeah. yeah, it was a crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy way to end our, our AAU careers. But I geez. think we were,
1: if we were put in like into a different pool into a different table before, we almost would played like Zion and like Lamelo. Like,
2: yeah,
1: we, we were pretty yep. close to playing them. Thank God we did it because I would have been yep. like, myself. But we were that <laughs> close to playing them. Like we were that
0: close. Yeah. Eddie, would you have been the guy who would have guarded Zion if you guys played him? Uh, yeah. Damn, <laughs> that, yep. would be,
1: that would have that would have been all of us trying to guard him. I don't think we could have done it. <laughs> you definitely would have been guarding the model for sure, if we played home, because I wouldn't. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you know, you know damn well we're not putting Jack Hegwood and Brennan on Zion. Right. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Big boys. Right. They're not guarding. Yeah, that him. ain't happening. Shit. Happen. No, that's not happening.
0: Who's the toughest guy you've had to guard? Because you're like. Pretty much known as being just a lockdown defender,
2: yeah I mean uh, I don't know, or I guess but I mean, I would have to say Romeo, probably, um yeah, I mean, for our entire state tournament run we were, every single night we were playing some quote unquote top prospect in the nation, but um that meant nothing to me, obviously, yeah. um but yeah Romeo is for sure probably the most skilled
0: what's that mindset when you go into like you know you're guarding romeo all night like that day of game day you're about to guard romeo Mm -hmm. like how how what how do you prepare for that
2: um the biggest thing for me is just not not succumbing to all the hype like obviously this dude was the number one recruit in the nation and what actually i didn't even play him my senior year i was hurt so the last Mm -hmm. time i guarded him was my junior year yeah. Um, but I mean, same thing. So he, he's number one recruiting our class and there's fans lining up out the door. We get there and they're signing autographs, taking pictures, all this. And, uh, the biggest thing for me was like, I can't believe all that. I'm about to guard this dude. Like, I, I can't believe that he's the best player in the country right now. So yeah. I think for me, that, that was how, that was my mindset. Honestly, every single game, like their best player,
1: um, none of that hype meant anything to me. Where do you, where do you rank uh, Demezy on your hardest to guard post? Uh, he, he all the way at the bottom of the, of the, <laughs> of the,
2: of the quote unquote big dogs, like especially it's like through high school. And then through AU also, like I'm playing, we're playing top 10 recruits every single game. And, and this dude thinks he's so nice. They, they haven't lost. And I knew before the game, he was gonna get shut down. He we had all come in for um, to do the national anthem and he was on the court by himself the only one out there shooting threes from like half court. And he like looked over our bench and I was like, Yep, I know what time it is. You're not know, scoring tonight. And he had six points the whole game. He himself out the game in the in the fourth quarter because he couldn't take it no more.
1: <laughs> Dude, we played that team. They had like probably three D one players. I was I, at that game. I, I, I was, think was right. I was I was thankful to not be guarding any of them, but uh, the first three they hit. I don't know who was the other kids. They had like something. Shemar, yeah. or oh, they had. had uh yeah. They had well.
2: They their entire starting five is playing college basketball right now. Yeah, um, and they're all and and also it doesn't help that they they haven't lost. There, one through fifteen is straight athletes on the floor, and then like us, we we don't have many athletes on our. We didn't have many athletes on our team, and so yeah, it was just cool. it was. It was <laughs> right, like he was one right. of our he was one of our better ones, but yeah, it was it was funny. It was it was straight comedy the way that they were looking at us, like they were just about to roll over
0: Yeah, I was at that game, and I I remember beforehand talking to my friends. I was like, "Harmel does not have a shot." Just by looking at the two teams. Yep. how you guys about to get your ass kicked it's not even gonna be close and then you could tell they just had zero discipline and hadn't been punched in the mouth mouth the entire season so as soon as they did they just folded Yeah, fun to watch um so i guess now let's transition to senior year a little mm-hmm. bit about you specifically and so just tell us a little bit about your injury and how that kind of formed your senior year
2: yeah for sure so um I had a great a great AU summer with Cole leading up to my senior year. Uh it was second day practice, right, Cole? Second day, I think. And I was I was, I just started walking off to go to go get a drink of water and I literally just collapsed. Like I took a step, he gave out and I collapsed, just walking. You're just um, I went down to the training room. I was just walking, just literally just walking. So I went down to the training room. Um I couldn't get up. So I, they got me on crutches immediately, and then, thankfully, I was able to get into the doctor the very next day, got an MRI the day after that. Um, the MRI came back, and I had a stress fracture in my tibia plateau, and also my meniscus was torn again, so I had surgery a couple of days after that, um, and then... As soon as I got out of surgery, like all the doctors were telling me like this this could be it for your senior year. We don't really have a timeline for you. We're just gonna have to see how your body progresses. Um, but I just I just couldn't accept that. And so I worked I worked my tail off to get back on the floor and two months later, um, I was able to get him and they had they had put us in a great position and then by the time I joined we were we were ready to obviously go make a run.
0: And what? What? Um, when did you join the team back? Like when were you fully healthy?
2: Uh, I want to say my first game back was January eighteenth.
0: And Cole, I guess you can talk a little bit about this. When Eddie joined the lineup again, how did the team change?
1: Yeah, so I think
0: Eddie came back.
1: I think you were the the three, technically, with us. So we had a pretty small lineup because it was me. Luke, Eddie, and Eddie. So like we're all like below six three, six four. So when he came back, like we knew. I think Jalen also got hurt when he came back, or something like that. Something yeah. crazy happened with Jalen. Yeah. And uh, Jalen and Eddie were like our like our defenders. So like when Jalen went down, Eddie came back. We kind of were just like. All right, well, Eddie first came back I guess the guard probably the best player. So, hopefully, like, he could, you know, withstand all that. But early on, I think it was frustrating a little bit at first when uh, Coach wasn't playing Eddie as much as he probably should have. But I think that's why we made the stays, because we were that much healthier down the road. I mean, if we didn't have – if we didn't, if we just didn't have Eddie or we just didn't have Jalen, just those two alone, like, we would not be making that run. Because I could tell you for damn sure I'm not guarding those best players. So, um The dynamic when he came back completely changed. Like, it it gave us – it made us look better on defense for sure. Gave us more athleticism on offense. Um, I mean, it it definitely helped us down the road for
0: sure. You said you had a good AAU summer, and then you have to transition into high school ball. What's the difference between – like, do you change the way you play? Do you play a different style when you're in your high school team because you probably have to do more because you're not surrounded by – stud after stud like top to bottom yeah yeah um it
2: was for sure completely different especially I would say my first three years of high school so um I was kind of and Cole can vouch for this like I mean he was the exact same way we, we kind of felt like we were limited a little bit in what we could do in the system um at Carmel our first three years um because in AAU, well obviously obviously my dad my dad was our coach so that obviously helps but we were like we were running and gunning. So we were going, we were playing, we were fast-paced the entire game, which is completely different than how Carmel played. And which, which the, That's not a bad thing, but it's just two completely different styles. So um, that's it's just hard to go from a summer like that straight into a season where uh, tempo, pace, all of that is completely changed. But my senior year with Coach Osborne, I will say that, we, were, we did play a little bit more. We, we got up and down the floor a little bit more. Um, we were a little faster paced. So I think the, the transition there was much easier. And um, especially with me and Cole, obviously we had we'd been playing together since we were in seventh grade. But um, then summers of AAU, our chemistry was great. So um, even though I had to sit out our, my first half of the senior year, as soon as I got back, it was like, well, we didn't miss a beat. So
0: that was nice. Oh. and so I guess you guys have both mentioned Cole on a other episode of the podcast, like the kind of system that Car- uh, Carmel has, especially leading up before your senior year. And I guess I kind of want to ask, do you think like, yes, that system's successful and you guys win a lot, but do you think it's beneficial to the players who are trying to get college scholarships and make it to the next level? Do you think though, like it's kind of hindering those players?
2: Yeah, um, I for sure think that that type of system kind of picks and chooses who who's going to shine, um, for one. And then also, um, yes, Carmel has seen success in the past playing like that, but we've also lost games. Our, our junior year, well, we probably lost four games trying to hold the ball or something like that. I was gonna say when the they,
1: people when people in the state of Indiana when they get pissed off about people like drilling out the clock and like not going fast paced like we definitely started that so I think it was when we were making that run our senior year we played yeah. Westfield in the first round and the final the score at halftime was like 10 to 6 maybe and it they did gross. they did they did what we do to all like the cathedrals the north centrals the pikes they did that they did that to us so like after that, I even think Osborne was like, "Man, I, I hate that. Like, there's no way we're doing that again." Yeah. And I think that, I think yeah. they're starting to get away from that. But like, like Eddie said, like we 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 started the pound the rock method. We started the bring it across half court and dribble it for five minutes at a time.
2: So it's, yeah, especially our junior way. year, we had a, we had a game at Cathedral where we we let Cathedral hold the ball for four overtime straight. Four. They would get the jump, and they would hold the ball for four minutes straight, and we would just stand there.
0: So it went to five overtimes? You guys won in five?
2: Oh, no. Lost. We we They won the jump every single time. They had a dude with super bounce. They won the jump. They stood at half court, and they held the ball for about three minutes and 30 seconds. And then mm-hmm. they went ISO'd. And if we could guard them, we could. If we couldn't, we couldn't. And we guarded them three out of the four times. Unfortunately, we didn't get the ball one time. And that's what happens that
0: would kill me as Well,
1: what's, what's funny about that game is that before overtime Alex Founder was like our starting point guard he heaves like a full court shot <laughs> and banks it in like literally hits it yep. Like so everyone had their phones out and everything and like we went through like the replay I guess like it looked like he got it off in time like this this shit would have been on top 10 the next day if it counted like for sure
0: wait they it replayed
1: the it day. Like, so people, like, we were on our phones, and, like, they already called it off and everything. Oh, they, oh, the they called it off initially. Yeah, the rest, they, yeah. they yeah. called it, it off, yeah. It? That was the craziest shot I think we've ever had. It was Alex Fowler's full court heave, and it went in. And no one knows about it because they called it off.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to spend uh, too much time talking about your dad, but for those of you who don't mm-hmm. know who are listening, Eddie's dad was a professional basketball player bounced around a few leagues for 12 years which is insanely impressive right. long career so just kind of explain to us what that was like growing up like in that atmosphere I guess like how did that affect your childhood
2: yeah for sure <laughs> I will say that I never personally picked up a basketball competitively until I was in seventh grade which is absolutely crazy for yeah someone got someone got dad in the NBA, and. His son doesn't doesn't play basketball till seventh grade. So like that but one thing that I can appreciate about it is my parents they really never forced anything on me. And um when I did decide to start playing, it was my choice. Like I wanted to do it. Um but but yeah, other than that, like growing up in that atmosphere, it was obviously cool getting to meet people and go around places and I mean even now, still to this day, so he does the the Fox sports pregame shows um for the Pacers, like it's cool to be able to just go in there whenever and, and talk to people and, and uh just be around that. Um I, I will say it's interesting. A lot of my friends they they like they love the NBA, they love that type of stuff and they they want to meet people and this and that. And it's I, I kinda have like the perspective like LeBron James breathed, breathed the same air that we breathe. Like with <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he just making millions of dollars right now yeah so i've never really been one to be all caught up in the hype of it but um i think that just being around it is something that's special and something that's cool and i'll obviously never forget those those type of moments oh. and has there of- been
1: a moment has there been a moment where you've been with your dad like at a game or like when he was playing in australia it kind of hit you like I think this is this lifestyle that he has is kind of crazy as far as like being a basketball player goes. Um,
2: uh, yeah, let me think about that.
1: And has he ever talked about someone busting his ass in the league? He <laughs> never talked about the one the one one thing he'll talk about is Alan
2: Iverson hitting a game winner on him and that that's always on AI's highlight tape, so <laughs> I'll never that down. But um I don't know. I'm trying to think. I guess one moment that sticks out to me like crazy um even though i was really little um Birdman chris anderson with the mohawk and tattoos When mm-hmm. when he i think we were in milwaukee we were, i don't know we were somewhere and we were we were going down the hotel or going down the elevator in the hotel to head to the game and chris anderson walked on the got in the elevator with us they were obviously playing together playing i don't know playing against each other or something and me and my sister were just in awe. We were like, what is this thing? This can't be human. <laughs> that giant mohawk, all the tattoos. Um but yeah, that I mean, that which is so weird, like Chris Anderson is the one thing that we remember, but no. I'll never forget that day television. I must have, I must have been four or five years old.
0: Dude, that would be t- and he's much like obviously he's a lot taller in person than you see on a TV screen. So you see, what, six, seven, six, eight guy with a full-blown mohawk, tattoos everywhere. That's straight up a fucking horror film. Now, so so with your dad playing, like, living that lifestyle and playing professional ball, was there, so you said you didn't pick, like, start playing competitively till seventh grade. Do you think you kind of resisted basketball for a little bit because of that? Or do you think it was just, like, i want to try other
2: things um yeah i don't i wouldn't say that i necessarily resisted it but it was just something that i never really felt like i loved until about seventh grade and um one thing that like that that always kind of is in the back of my mind like when you hear so-and-so's dad is an nba player you automatically think oh this dude this person's got to be incredible um so I think that that maybe held me back a little bit, um, just that that internal pressure. But never, never did my parents, my dad, ever put that pressure on me himself. I think that was all like within my own mental, my own mental and psyche. But um, yeah, I, I'd say that probably held me back a little bit until more recently. But yeah, when I was little, I never really resisted. I was just in the other like I just wanted to go outside and be a kid. I wanted to yeah. go to the pond and go catch frogs and crap like that.
0: Um and one more thing kind of about mm-hmm. this whole stuff is are there any like misconceptions you think there like about people who were in the NBA or just playing professional basketball? Like people like you said, people elevate them to a certain status, but you say yeah. we all breathe the same air. We all yep. do the same thing. So just getting paid to play basketball so is there any yeah. misconceptions about life in the nba that you've noticed just growing up in that environment
2: yeah um i just say the biggest thing is like a lot of people act as though they're some type of different species like they're the, us and them are completely completely disalike which is the furthest thing from the truth like donovan mitchell rudy gobert one of the first nba players to get a coronavirus so i and like it, I think that it humbles not only them. I'm not saying they needed to be humbled, but it humbles the rest of us in saying that, like, hey, man, that like they they got brought brought back down to earth here. So like, uh, there's nothing that we can do or they can do that that really defines us as people. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions, as you were to your point, is just the fact that people think that because you got this name, you are automatically elevated above everybody else. And that, that couldn't be further from the truth.
0: I guess kind of to wrap things up, um, mm-hmm. what's, what's next for you? I know you're, you're playing ball at Grace, right?
2: Yep. Yep.
0: So what, like, what's your plan throughout college? And then what's kind of your goals after college? Do you want to play ball after that or what's your plan?
2: Yeah. So um, I have three years left at Grace. Um, I redshirted this year. I had another knee surgery. Unfortunately, um, and so I, I, I'm trying to just continually get better and better these next three years. But after college, I don't know. I I have mixed feel I have mixed feelings about it. I don't really want to play professionally anywhere. Um, it's never been something that I've really wanted to do or strive to do. Um, but it would be hard for me if if I'm out of place in three years and it's there's potential for me to go somewhere, whether that be overseas or something, and make some money. Um, it would be hard for me to turn that down. So it's kind of something like a, a wait and see game. I'm not. My goal is not to play professional basketball, though. And
0: that's all I got, Cole. You got anything?
1: Uh, I guess I'll ask one more. Where are you? Uh, where do you stand in the process of your, or since your surgery, I guess. Where do you stand with that, and where do you think that your uh, your team stands for the next couple of years while you're while you're still there?
2: Um, um, right now, I am. Let's see what's the date. So I am about four months post surgery. Um, I feel good. This the past month and a half, I have been much more lax with my rehab stuff because obviously everything shut down. Um, but I'm hoping to, to get back to full strength I, by sometime in the middle of the summer. And then moving forward, I need to I'm stay healthy. So I think taking care of my body is going to be a serious thing for the next three years of grace. Um, I'm going to have to change some things. I'm going to have to stop dunking every single chance I get. Um, I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to take it easy at practice every once in a while. I just got to listen to myself, listen to my body. But at the same time, like, that competitive nature within me, like, I don't, I never want to want to take a day off. I never want to take a play off. So I think finding that balance of being smart and being confident in my body and uh, my health is going to be huge for me moving forward. Um, with Grace specifically, um, I think we're in a great place. We went to the – NAI National Tournament this year, which got canceled, obviously. But I think heading into next year, we are – we're looking good and things are going uphill for us right now. So, hopefully, the next three years that all continues.
1: Um, I'll, I'll do one more. Um, you know, I, like we talked about, your dad was a ball player for years. Um, what is, what's he's been saying to you through your through this process for you? Obviously, your season got canceled and it's kind of different right now mm-hmm. where we stand with everything. And uh, is he helping you or what kind of tips is he giving you through that process as long, or along with uh, uh, rehabbing the knees and, and whatnot?
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, he, I mean, he's doing, he's doing everything he can. So um, whether that be helping me with, with rehab stuff or just kind of being there for me, um, talking me through stuff and um, making sure that I know that, I'll come out the other side, and and it's I wouldn't even just say it's my, my dad and my mom has been there just as much, um, if not even more, in, in regards of that, that support and um, helping me through this. So, I think that both of my parents have, been, have done a phenomenal job trying to help me in whatever way what they can, and try to get me to the next stage, to the next, to the next stop. So, yeah, I can't really there's really no words that really even can define what what they have and have not done for me. Well,
0: that's awesome, dude. Um, again, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's this weird-ass time, so I hope you guys are staying healthy. And- yeah, and- for sure. Oh, that's shit, so all right, take care. All right, have a good one. See hey, ya, All right, that was our interview with Eddie. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please subscribe and stay safe out there stay healthy and all that good shit so take care guys love you guys peace